I really mean it. We have to believe in a big God, right? We have to believe that God is bigger than our problems. That God is bigger than our situation. That God is bigger than whatever we're going through at this moment. That God is bigger than our enemies, right? That God is bigger than our families, right? That God knows the end from the beginning and that he's able to speak into our present moment, our present situation, that his power is over all things. So, yeah, he's the source of our strength because we believe that we have a big God. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to Tri-Cities Church. I'm Wesley. I'm one of the pastors here. We're glad that you are here. If this is your first time here with us, or even if it's not, if you've never filled out one of those cards in your seat, uh, please fill out one of those. Uh, fill out as much information as you feel comfortable putting on there. We love knowing who's here and having an opportunity to pray for you and even to pray with you in whatever, you're, uh, whatever you want prayer for. On, on the back of those cards... Um, there's a space where you can write down prayer requests. If there's something that, um, that you're going through and you say, hey, this thing is, is, uh, is out of my control and it's only God's help now and by God's grace, by God's mercy, by God's strength that I'm going to see this thing through. We'd love to pray with you. And if you've gotten to that point in your life where you said, hey, this thing isn't out of control, but I know it has the potential to get there, right? And I need God here now. Uh, please fill out one of those. We'd love to pray with, with you. We, we, uh, we gather on Monday mornings. Uh, Jamie and I are the pastor, and we uh, we pray over those those cards and pray over um, people um, who we who we meet and get to know and pray for specific requests. And so, um, we love to know those those things. Well, last week we wrapped up our Love Is a Verb series uh, with a bang. We collected uh, uh, over twelve thousand dollars, twelve thousand five hundred some odd dollars. Yeah, yeah. For the first time ever in Tri-Cities Church history, we passed the golden plates, right? Uh, and, uh, and you all showed your generosity, and, and you gave to support the uh, Tri-Cities Family Food Co-op. Um, and you gave uh, beyond what we expected and beyond what we imagined. And, and I've been talking for weeks about how God is able to multiply things, right? He teaches us that in the scriptures over and over again. He teaches us that he has the power to multiply things. And so we believe even out of what you gave, he will multiply that. And it will give us an opportunity to make a big impact in our community um, for the good of our community, but also for the glory, the glory of God. Um, also, this week, if you are on our email list, you probably got an email, and I just want to... Um, um, I guess kind of validate this because, you know, you get so many emails and you're like, is this good? Is this something I shouldn't be paying attention to? Should I just, you know, should this go into my spam folder? Uh, you should have gotten an email for Right Now Media. Right Now Media, if you're familiar with, uh, if you've been around uh, maybe the church world, there was an organization called Bluefish TV that made um, um, videos, like Christian videos. At least they, they made them accessible online where you could stream them pay for them and stream them to your computer. They're now Right Now Media, and Right Now Media is, um, it, it, the way, the best way I've heard it described is it's like a Christian Netflix, right? Um, there's, a, you know, whether it's conferences, there's all kinds of Christian conferences that are always happening, like Catalyst and Passion Conference and all these different conferences um, that happen all over the world. Um, all those are made available on Right Now Media. Uh, and so, uh, and so, uh, and also other Christian videos as well. I haven't even explored all that there is there. There's also things like Veggie Tales and uh, uh, cartoons for kids. Yeah, uh, if, if you have kids, you know how uh, how valuable something like that is. You know, when when you could pop something in and, and have it be a positive influence in their life. 
Um, and there's all kinds of Bible studies online that you can do, uh, kind of video-based Bible studies that you can do. And so it's just an amazing resource um, that has been gifted to our church. And so um, it's for all of you for, for up to a year. Now, this is a, it's an expensive subscription normally, but it's been given to us. And so uh, we give it to you. And so uh, take advantage of that. Just, just explore it and see what kind of videos there are on there. I mean, there's, there's different things. You could say um, wh- whether, it's, uh, whether it's budgeting and, and you just have questions about budgeting and finances. There's videos there for that. Whether it's um, some area of spiritual growth like prayer, there's videos on there for that. You know, it, it's, no matter what it is that you're interested in, there's a video there for that. And so uh, check it out and you can stream it right there into your home. Um, and some of them even have uh, discussion questions to dig deeper and to, uh, to, to kind of wrestle with these things as we as a church believe that spiritual growth is one of the key components of the church. All right, so this morning we're um, not beginning a new series. Not, I, I kind of laugh to myself because I always talk about series. Like we're always in some series at Tri-Cities Church. And we've had some fun series that I've had the chance to teach through. And we're always doing seri- messages in series typically. And we go from one to another. Well, this week we're on a break uh, from a series um, before we jump into another one, but well, the reason I do series, I thought about this because I, I didn't grow up with a church that did series. It was just to pick a text and preach on it every Sunday morning, and it was just it was kind of a disconnected Sunday mornings. The reason why reason why we do series is that we believe that it gives us an opportunity to focus more deeply on specific areas of interest, so that we can not just hit one topic and jump to the next, and then hit that topic and jump to the next. But we believe that we we um, we have a greater impact in our own lives. Right when we are able to sit through a series of messages and we're able to get a more well-rounded and balanced view of a topic. So for the last four weeks, we were talking about love as a verb, and we were just exploring the biblical uh, instructions for us to love, commands from God for us to love. And I believe that was a, um, uh, for me at least, that was a growing series. I grew in in that series, and I I love having the opportunity to share those kind of uh, messages with you um, because a lot of times at at the same time, I feel like I'm sharing these messages with my Myself. I'm like, wow, this, there, there are times that I walk away and I need to take messages from my own sermon I'm, or notes from my own sermon. I'm like, I need to write that down because that, that wasn't uh, the plan. I'm like, thank you, God. Uh, and so uh, those, those are good moments. Um, this morning, we're just talking about momentum. Um, marks of a healthy church. And let me say this before we get into the messages. I'm not saying this is like the comprehensive guide to what makes a healthy church. Um, but these are ways that I believe that we as a church um, can actively um, become engaged in the community that God established called the church in a way that the church becomes um, this alive, growing um, a uh, living body, living community that's having a powerful impact in our community. And so that's what I want us to look at. And really, it's probably four things that we'll look at um, that, that I believe are just crucial for us as a church as we move forward into the future that God is already there waiting for us and has great things for us to do. So let's pray before we uh, jump into this message. God, we give you thanks this morning. We give you thanks for your grace and your mercy. And God, I started this morning talking about how big of a God you are, and I believe that you are a big God. And God, it humbles me to think that we are a church that's made up of people, individuals, flawed, we make mistakes, we fail, we get our lives totally out of balance at times, reckless but yet you've chosen to use us to call it your church. 
to call us your church. And so, God, I just pray that you will help us as we wrestle with this message, talking about what it means to be the church and some things we can do to be a healthy, growing church. God, please help us to be bold and courageous, to take steps forward, to take initiative, to be proactive, to build your church for the good of our community, for the glory of God. It's in your son, Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, so I'll admit, um, and, and, and kind of unapologetically so, right, that, that it's my desire, I want Tri-Cities Church to be a growing church, right? I want Tri-Cities Church to be a growing church. We have, um, we have about the number of chairs that are in here currently. We have twice as many chairs, probably. We can fill this room all the way to the back with chairs. And we want to see those chairs full, right? We want Tri-Cities Church to be a growing church. I want Tri-City Church to be a growing church. It's one of my desires. It's one of my prayers is that when we started Tri-City Church, we wanted it to grow. Now, we get, I get the question, we get the question all the time, um, are you trying to build a megachurch, right? We live in the South, the land of megachurches, right? There are megachurches all over the place and large churches that are growing. Um, and, and, um, and, and I often don't know how to ask that, answer that question because often it begins with, well, I like a small church, right? A community church like the one I grew up in. And, and I don't really like mega, are you trying to be, let me know before I get involved in this thing. Because if you become a megachurch, I don't want to have to break my relationship with my friends and go somewhere else because you got too big. Well, let me say this. We, we don't know what Tri-Cities Church will look like in the future. We, we don't know whether it's going to be a mega church. We don't know whether we're going to have thousands of people in some huge auditorium somewhere in the Tri-Cities area. I, I, don't, I don't know that. And, and, and in fact, so let me say this, that, that, um, that if you're concerned about this kind of mega church phenomenon that's happening, particularly in the South, let me say that my identity as a pastor is not wrapped up in in the church. Right? Can I, can I say that and not be offensive? My identity, now this is what I do, right? Just like, um, the, just like you may be a teacher or you may um, be an admin or you may own a business or you may do different things. But my hope for you, just as my plan for myself, is that my identity is not wrapped up in the thing that I do uh, every day, full time. My identity, identity is fully wrapped up in Christ, right? And we always have to work at that sometimes, right? Because you, you, people say, who are you? I'm a teacher. Well, who are you? Well, I'm an admin. Well, well, who are you? I'm a mother. You know, well, who who are you? And our identity becomes wrapped up in what we do. So let me say this, that my identity is not wrapped up in in the church. And so, um, so we are not trying to grow a big church because for me, that would be a sign of success or accomplishment or because it would bolster my self-esteem or make me feel good. But rather, we are trying to build a church because I believe this, and, and I wrestled with saying this all week long, and that said, I believe that all organizations are either growing, dying, or in denial. That all organizations are either growing, dying, or in denial. And I want us to be a growing church because I don't want to be dying. And I don't want to be sitting around in, in denial. And I want us as a church to reach more people. We believe very firmly in the words that we sing and, and the scriptures that are written in the Bible. We believe that powerful life change happens by the power of God. And it happens best through the church, right? We believe that God, the church is God's plan for creation, for restoration, for renewal, for lives being changed and transformed, for people being being healed and walking forward into wholeness for us being the people that God created us to be. We believe that the church is God's plan for all of that. 
And it would be, it would be selfish for us to sit back and say we don't want to be a big church and have as many people as possible to experience that renewal, restoration, life change, that newness that happens in Christ, and to experience it through the church. And so, yeah, we want the church to be a growing church. And we don't want to be dying, and we don't want to be in denial. Now, one of, one of, um, one of the things, that, that at least that I've experienced, is this. is that um, in, in the Bible, um, uh, Jesus says, in, in Matthew chapter 16, I think it's verse 8, he says, I, I will build my church, right? He says, I will build my church. I will build my church. He speaks about his role in setting this thing in motion. And that was over, almost 2,000 years ago, right? Um, that that uh, he set this thing in motion that became known as the church. Right? And he began building this church and calling people to himself. And he set this thing in mo- motion that required momentum to keep going. It required some, some energy, some momentum in order for it to continue to be in existence. And in the first century, we're reading in the scriptures, and even when you're reading out t- outside of the scriptures, and different historians that wrote during that time period, you see that the church had this incredible momentum. That what God was doing wasn't a small thing, but that God was doing a big thing in this world. And it was gaining incredible momentum, and people were excited, and people were joining it, and people were becoming a part of it. This morning I thought to myself, it's almost like that snowball effect that you see on cartoons. Now, I never lived really a long time. Uh, I, well, I lived in the north. I was in New Jersey for a little bit, but never lived a long time in the north, particularly as a kid. But I always saw in these cartoons where people would build these snowballs and roll them down a hill, right? And they would get larger and larger and they would gain this sense of momentum and this sense of speed and power. And before you know it, you have this huge snowball that's coming. That's what was happening in the first century church, right? This thing was snowballing, right? It was out of control. People tried to stop it. Uh, Followers of Christ were being killed for their faith, right? People were being hung, fed to animals, all kinds of craziness was happening. And this thing kept, kept growing. We talked about a couple of weeks that quote, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the faith. Those who give their life um, for, for their, their faith, um, those who died because of what they believed in, that became the seed, seed of the church, sorry, became the seed of the church, right? The church grew as a result of, at least it seemed, as though the more people that died for their faith, that gave their life fully for the faith, it started to grow. Now, when we look in the Bible, in Thessalonians in particular, and we're going to be there this morning in First Thessalonians chapter 1, we see that the church there, the church in Thessala, Thessala, Thessala whatever it is called. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. The Thessalonian church, right, uh, that was in an actual place in biblical times. We see that that church uh, was gaining momentum and speed and that Paul here is writing to that church. And, and he's, um, he's commending them on the one hand and he's challenging them on the other, right? So let's look at just, we're going to read these first 10 verses here, beginning in 1 Thessalonians 1. It says, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, these three are together. They're, they're, uh, they're, they're ministers to the church. It says, to the church at Thess- uh, of the Thessalonians, in God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. So this is the beginning of his letter. Grace and peace to you. This is the way he started his letters. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering and with joy given by the Holy Spirit. And so you became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. The Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Archaea, your faith in God became made known everywhere. Therefore, we do not need to say anything about it, for they themselves report the kind of reception you gave us. They tell how you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. And so Paul begins this letter challenging this church that has begun with this certain kind of momentum to keep in a particular kind of way that this momentum is not lost. You see, the, the momentum, I think a simple definition for mo- momentum is mass, mass, mass in motion, right? It's this motion that God set in the church, and we as a church want to maintain that momentum because we're either growing, dying, or in denial, right? Um, and so this morning, we're just looking at four things that we see. Uh, some of these in the, in the uh, church at Thessalonians, of the Thessalonian church. I'm going to ruin that all day long. Um, the Thessalonian church, some of these we see in that church, and, and others are just practical things that I believe are are going to be important for us to walk forward, to move forward in the future as a church. Now, if you're visiting with us as, as a church, and this, or this is your first time, and you, you, um, this is kind of a message for us um, um, to know what it means to be the church and to wrestle with um, those kind of experiences. And so, if this is, if you're not a follower of Christ yet, or, or you know, it's okay to be here and listen in. This is kind of almost church business. You know, you know, sometimes you take a um, a pause in your family and you you snatch those kids. I'm not snatching anybody up, but you you handle family business, right? Husband and wife sit down and you handle family business. Right? That's that's what we're doing this this morning. It's kind of the, these are the things that make us a church, right? The Bible says that the church will shine like stars in the midnight sky, right? And we want to do that, but we don't believe we can do that without certain instructions from God. So four things, right? Um, that that uh, that can, that are marks of a healthy. Church. The first thing I want you to see that's a mark of a healthy church that helps us maintain momentum is what we call critical mass, right? Critical mass. We have all experienced critical mass at some point in our time. It's that feel that you get when you walk into a room that's full of people, right? And there seems to be this energy that's happening, this buzz that's happening. It's that, that, uh, it has to do with the number of bodies that are in the room, simply, right? The number of bodies. You might not know the people in the room. You may not even interact with the people in the room. But when you walk into an empty room, it feels much different than a room that is full, right? Um, and so the church from the beginning understood that it had to have critical mass in Acts, in the, in the book of Acts. I believe we even have a scripture for that. Acts chapter 2. It talks about when God was starting the church. Yeah, those who accepted this message, this is, the, um, this is like the beginning of the church um, where Peter preached and people believed and the church kind of sprung into beginning, right? It was given birth um, um, by Jesus Christ. It says those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day, right? We see that God had this very 
clear sense of the need for critical mass, right? People say, why did 3,000 people, who baptized all 3,000 of those people, right? Who, who discipled all the, we see that God believed that there needed to be critical mass in the church. And he started big, right? He started big. Right, so when you walk into a room, maybe you've been to a conference, and you said there was just there was an energy there, and I, I can't really describe it, but there was a there was an energy there, um, and, and, and you like that energy, right? I, now I'm I'm more of an introverted personality type, but even I know, you know I don't like a quiet room, right? I like a room with energy and with with uh, with people that are buzzing and in conversation because it does something, and that's critical. Critical mass. In fact, the mathematical equation for momentum is mass plus or mass times velocity, right? Mass times velocity. The first thing you have to have is mass in order to have momentum, right? And so we see in the Bible that God set the church in motion. He gave it momentum. But the first thing you need is mass. You have to have people, critical mass. Now, I would challenge you to to think about this. I believe that one of the most powerful things we can do, one of the best things we can do to connect people to Christ and to his church is simply by showing up, right? One of the most powerful things we can do to connect people to Christ and his church is by showing you know, oftentimes we think about, you know, I, I, well, I'm just not, I haven't matured to the point where I feel comfortable talking to somebody about my faith or uh, I haven't figured this thing all out. All I know is it feels like, um, it feels like something, I don't want to start singing, got a hold of me. Y'all know that song? Oh boy. That's the first time I've ever sang in front of people. <laughs> that was bad. Uh, it may feel like something's got a hold of you. This is an old church song, right? It says, something's got a hold of me. Maybe you feel like something's got a hold of you, and you don't know exactly what it is. You can't describe it, and you're not comfortable talking about it. But the best thing, one of the best things you can do to connect people to Christ is simply by showing up, right? Because when people walk into this room on Sunday morning, the feel that there's here in this room, in fact, studies show that in the first 7 to 11 minutes, people decide whether or not they're coming back to church, right? And so as people were coming in, and even this morning, and people were downstairs eating, I'm like, this isn't it, right? Yeah, there are people, there are people in that room downstairs. Believe me, right? Don't decide that you're not coming back. Because studies show that in the first 7 to 11 minutes, that feel that happens from the parking lot into the worship space, that people decide. Decide whether or not they're coming back. So the most powerful thing, one of the most powerful things you can do is simply show up, right? And show up on time, right? And show up on time, right? All right, set that alarm. Do something. Remind yourself um, because there's a, there's a certain kind of feel in the room that will make people say something is happening here. And I want to be a part of that. And that might be their first step to connecting with Christ. That may be their first step to connecting with Christ. So the church needs momentum, mass times velocity. We have to have critical mass because that gives the church momentum so that it's not dying and in denial. The second thing I want you to see that must happen in the church for the church to maintain its momentum and to be a growing church is that it has to have spiritual growth, right? It has to have spiritual growth. Now, spiritual growth basically... Uh, at, at a very uh, uh, fundamental level means people are connecting with God and God's work in this world. People are connecting with God and God's work in this world. 
That means that our relationship with God is growing, right? We find ourselves relying upon Him and depending upon Him more frequently, right? We find ourselves truly believing in the power of God over our situation, and we find ourselves living that out more readily, right? When something happens, we say, I believe first, and not I believe when we've tried everything else and the only thing left is to believe, right? When our relationship with God is deepening, when it's growing, we're growing spiritually, and that's essential in the church, right? The church has to be growing spiritually. Now, we, do, we are concerned with, with numbers. When I say I want us to be a growing church, I was talking about numbers, right? God's concerned with numbers. We see the Bible recorded that 3,000 accepted Christ on that first day of the church. There's a whole book in the Bible that's named Numbers. God is always counting things. Numbers have great significance in the Bible. God is concerned with numbers. So we, we do believe um, that God wants us to be concerned with numbers. We are concerned with them. But first, we want to see people growing spiritually. We want to see people growing spiritually. And we believe this very firmly. You see it in the church, uh, the Thessalonian church. And that said, it's out of spiritual growth that springs numerical growth, right? It's out of spiritual growth that numerical growth begins to emerge. Look at, look at Thessalonians again. Look back with me at uh, Thessalonians uh, chapter one. I'm going to start reading in verse four. Listen to what it says. It says, for we know brothers and sisters loved by God that he has chosen you because our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. You know how we lived among you for your sake, right? Let me pause right there. This is Paul with Silas and Timothy that are writing to the church. And he says, you know how we, the three of us, lived among you for your sake. But then look at what happens. Um, look at what happens after that. It says, you became imitators of us. Now, it doesn't say how many that was, but you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. You also became a model to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea, right? So it says it began with the three of us. You became believers uh, as well, and you became models to all the believers in Macedonia and Archaea. But then it says, and I'm not sure this is up there on this slide, but it says your faith in verse eight, your faith in God has become known everywhere, right? That your faith in God has become known Everywhere We see this church is beginning to snowball as it snowballs. It's picking up this critical mass that is necessary. But notice what's happening. It's not saying you went out and you told everybody about this amazing God that you serve, right? And you tried to convince them door to door that God was real and he was doing something incredible in your life. But it says you became imitators of us and the way we lived our lives. You began growing spiritually, right? You began to invest your life in this thing you've come to believe, right? It wasn't just a theory that you said might be, there might be a God, or I might believe in this, or I'm not going to give up hope if there is a God, but I know that there's a God, I'm investing my life in it, and I'm growing spiritually, and my life is changing. And never once did it say that you went to someone else and said, hey, uh, let me tell you, um, let me tell you about Jesus and the fact that he died for your sins and that you just need to change your life, but it says, hey, your life was changed and people saw that. 
and it became this light that people were drawn to. Now, I'm not, I don't want to be critical. I do believe um, that, that we should be sharing our faith. And I said this before. We should be t- t- telling people about the hope that is within us. The Scriptures call us to that. That is good work. But unless that hope that is within us is backed up by a life that's being transformed by the power of God, then that hope that is within us ceases to be hope in the eyes of the world and it becomes folly and foolishness to those who do not yet believe. It's only as we believe and our lives are being changed and we're growing spiritually that what we say, the words that we speak, the hope that is emerging out of our mouth um, gains power, gains strength, gains realness, that it becomes something that's contagious and other people are grabbing hold of it. You see, one of the most powerful signs of God's work in our midst is a life that's being transformed by the power of the gospel. And so we as a people have to sit back and say, do, do, do I believe what, what I claim to believe, right, as a church? Do I believe what I, what I claim to believe, that Christ is the hope of the world, that Jesus Christ is hope for the world, that he wants to bring restoration, renewal, uh, and, and, and new life? Then the two things that I can do uh, in order to help other people experience that um, don't have anything to do with me going up to somebody and telling them anything. It just has to do with me showing up at church and working on my life so that I'm growing spiritually right i'm working on my life and i'm showing up on time right let me put that in there on time to church right and 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 as a result of that more and more people are finding themselves connecting with with christ and change is happening here we believe very firmly um, that as the church grows communities are changed lives are healed It's one of the reasons why we celebrate the offering for the food co-op last week, because it gives us an opportunity to make a greater impact in our community. It gives us the ability to have even a bigger vision and say, listen, we can do greater things than the things we've already done. We can do greater things than the things we've done in the past because our God uh, uh, lays it on people's hearts to give generously and to to be a part of the church and what God is, is doing. So the first two things, right? Critical mass. Second thing, spiritual growth. Third thing I want you to see that helps the church to to gain and and maintain this momentum is simply a a welcoming atmosphere, right? A welcoming atmosphere. Now, the atmosphere is the product of of every every variable in the room, right? Everything in the room contributes to the atmosphere, right? Comfy chairs, you know, that that contributes to the atmosphere. There were once um, uh, scratched up, dark uh, hard wooden pews uh, in in this building, um, and these comfy chairs they they transform. When we put these chairs in here, the, the atmosphere in this building changed. Right, it became a much warmer place. Right, we we even uh, we even put dimmers on these lights because you turn them all the way up, and it's like you almost need sunglasses in this place. Um, um, because it contributes to the atmosphere, right? We want to make sure the temperature's right because it contributes to the atmosphere. But one of the biggest things that we can do that contributes to the atmosphere is having a welcoming personality, right? To talk to people, to get to know someone, right? To welcome people, to be a part of the church, to speak to someone. And not to just do it when we say, hey, turn to your neighbor and welcome them and give them a hug and say, hey, I missed you since last week, right? That, that's, that's one time to do that. Um, but it's the responsibility of all of us. And we've never said that. And, you know, Tri-Cities Church is a new church. We're not even two years old yet. Um, and so we're, we're getting there. We'll be there beginning of next year. 
Um, but so we're a new church and nobody's been here a long time, right? We're all kind of like new people in the church. And I don't know if you know, if you've ever visited a church uh, for, for, the, for the first time and you're like a new person and you're kind of looking around trying to make sure you know what, what to do, what the proper protocol is and those kind of things. When my wife and I were in New Jersey, uh, that was the first time since I've been in, in full-time ministry um, that, I, that I was a, uh, a visitor at a church, right? I've always been on staff at a church um, since I was 19 or so, 19, 20, something like that. And so that was my first time as a, as a visitor at the church in a long time. And I remember we had interesting experiences. There was this one church that I walked in, had this huge lobby, and it was buzzing with people. And there were people all over, and, and they were all in conversation, and they had a little coffee bar on the side, and so people were drinking coffee. And I walked in, and, and I, I told my wife, I said, watch this. I'm going to act like I'm new and like I'm lost. And so I'm, I'm fairly comfortable in church, but I'm looking around at the signs, trying to find a sign for the restroom. And I'm just wandering through the lobby and I wandered to one side and the people probably thought I was crazy. Maybe I don't know what they were thinking. I wandered to the other. Nobody stopped and said a word to me. Right. And I wandered around for a while. And the next week I come back and I do the same thing. Right. And, like, and, and nobody's, nobody's speaking to me. Right. Because it's humans. And now, it's not as bad as it sounds because as humans, we naturally form cliques, right? We naturally, we meet up with people that we hadn't talked to all week and we naturally form these cliques and we talk to them and we're catching up and we're talking about our week and you say, how are you doing? And you begin telling the story about everything that happened and we get kind of insulated in our own little community within this community and we find ourselves not welcoming people. But one of the biggest things we can do is to, to break from those cliques most important things we can do is break from those cliques and begin welcoming people. I even walked in this one church when we were in New Jersey, um, and, and I don't think I ever went back to that church. But I walked in. It's wintertime. I'm a southern boy, right? And it's wintertime. It was cold. And I bought this hat that had these little earmuffs, and it kept my, my ears warm, my head nice and warm. I walked in church. I couldn't have been more than 10 feet inside the door, and this lady said, take your hat off. And I was going to take my hat. I mean, I grew, I grew up with that kind of role. You know, I took my hat off in the church. I, I, so I was going to do it, but it was, my ears were still cold. <laughs> and uh, I got this close, just because I heard a lot of good things about this church, I got this close to say, hey, we're going somewhere else. Right? Uh, I was a little offended by that. Right? It wasn't very, I didn't feel welcome there. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so the, the, one of the most important things, I've learned this by experience, that we can do is to create a welcoming environment. Now, there's people at the back door every Sunday. We call those people greeters, and I kind of joked around this week. I said, we're going to stop calling those people greeters. We're going to call them sermon talk sheet hander outers, right? Um, because everybody in this room is a greeter, right? Everybody who, who comes in, you know, and I think I, uh, Nigel, I, I don't remember exactly what she said, but when she was welcoming people, she said, hey, you're a member here. If this is your first time, right? You belong here, right? And we want, we want, we believe that very firmly and truly, and so we want to welcome people. This isn't a place that you have to um, that you have to come to a certain belief and, and a certain place in your life in order to belong. No, you belong here first. You're part of the family, right? You're welcomed here, and we need to make that known through our actions, right? So the third thing we can do to help build a church, connect more people with Christ, so that this will be a healthy place, is to create a welcoming environment. And the fourth thing I want you to see fourth mark of a, of a healthy church is the church has to be generous. The church has to be generous. Right? Our generosity helps us to meet the diverse needs that exist in our community. 
not just in our community in here, but our community out there. Last week, you gave over $12,500, and more is still coming in to fund the food co-op, right? And we celebrate that because it's a sign that we are a generous church, right? That you all believe in blessing our community and doing great things here. That you believe that God is here and you want to put your uh, money not just where your mouth is, but your money where your heart is. And that's with God and what God is doing in this community. And so we commend you and celebrate that, right? We, we celebrate the fact that God is doing those kind of powerful things here. Now, now, I also want to challenge you, right? And that's that we as a church are still a growing church and we have a big vision. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that even as we uh, as we get to the end of the year and into the new year. But as a church, we have a big vision, right? We didn't just want to start another church, right? That was never the plan for Tri-Cities Church, for it to be just another church, right? That wasn't, that wasn't the plan. We believe that God placed us here with a purpose, right? We spent hours upon hours wrestling with that question. What in the world does God want to do with Tri-Cities Church, right? Why would God lay it upon Jamie's heart uh, to start Tri-Cities Church, to be a part of initiating this movement that became Tri-Cities Church? What is it that God would have us to do in the future? Uh, and, and, and we want to be fully a part of that, but we realize that that requires generosity, And generosity is not just money. We're not just saying give money, give money, give money. We're saying give time, right? Uh, Give of your skill and talent and ability, right? Give of the energy that you have, right? What little bit you have left. Trust God. Pray God. God, multiply this energy at the end of the week. Right? God, God multiplies things. Can I tell you all that? Right? God multiplies it. Don't say, I'm tired. I can't. I won't. I'm, I just don't have the energy at the end of the week. No, you get up in that morning. You pray, God, God, multiply my energy. God, multiply the time in my schedule. Help me to arrange things so I can give fully to your work that is happening through the church. Now, this is one of the things that happens in our society and it's just something that we're trained to do just because it's, it's, uh, it's life in our society, right? We compartmentalize the different parts of our life, right? We have our, our home life, and sometimes people at work won't know anything about what's happening in your home, right? That's kind of the private space, right? You, we got garages now and uh, uh, privacy fences and all this different kind of stuff. You pull in your garage. If you go outside, you're outside in the back of your privacy fence covering you. All that, and, uh, and so that's, that's life, and then you have work. Uh, you don't like people walking to your office, taking mints off. You put those mints there, and you don't want anybody to touch them, right? Those are just there for decoration on your desk um, uh, for you to have. Got a little refrigerator. I knew a guy that had a little refrigerator under his desk, right, on his side of the desk. Nobody else knew it was there until I saw him open it and get a sandwich out. We having a conversation. Getting a, that was his little compartment, right? And so we have these different compartments of life, and often church becomes one of those compartments. And we end up giving church our leftovers sometimes. God wants it to be the thing in our life, his work, our faith at the forefront of what we're doing. And when we do that, we become a generous people, and we give generously to God's work that is happening here in his church. You see, Tri-Cities Church has been a journey, right? Some of you remember when, uh, um, when Jamie, our other pastor, first came to you and said, hey, God's placed it on my heart to start a church on the south side. 
Right, some of you were there when we were meeting in El Nazareno in Hapeville, just a small group, and we'd gather for meals and we'd gather for Bible study, just a small group meeting in that church, and we began casting vision about the kind of church that we believe God would have us to be. Some of you joined the journey when we were at Hapeville Elementary over there, uh, and every Sunday morning we'd have to pull up with our trailer, and we'd have to load out all that stuff and carry it up there. That's, that was the old school building that did not, was not very handicapped accessible. There was no easy way into that building, right? We had to carry chairs and uh, speakers and all of our equipment, all of our kids' activities, all that stuff up the stairs and into that building. Um, and we had to do all that work at 8.30 in the morning. Even I remember one morning there were snow flurries coming down. And we were there loading stuff out of the trailer thinking, you know these Georgia folks, we're not coming to church, but we're going to be ready anyway, right? And so some of you joined the journey then, right? And some of you were here when we, when we moved into this building and we said, hey, God is two steps ahead of us. When Hateville Elementary said, we got to renovate and y'all got to get out. We said, God is two steps ahead of us. This did not catch God by surprise. He knew this was coming. And we're like Abraham and he has a place for us. And God brought us here to this place. And some of you were here on that journey when we, uh, when we began uh, uh, taking the pews out of this building. We rolled them across the street and put them in another building and got these chairs and carpet and kind of updated this building that had been used to serve the Lord for generations. And we gave it new life, right? And the church is here again, right? Some of you have been here at different parts of the journey and some of you are just joining the journey today. Reality is is we are the church and God has called us to be the church, not just another church for the sake of having another church on the corner, but because there is work for us to do. God has called us to it. God didn't just call, call me to it or Jamie to it or Paul who was up here uh, leading the worship team to it, right? He didn't just call us to that. He called all of us to this work. And the only way it can happen is when we all take responsibility for being the church in our community. And I believe, stick with the journey, I believe we will see the powerful things that God will do and we will look back and say, I remember when. And now I'm mesmerized, mesmerized by what God is doing in and through Tri-Cities Church. Let's pray. God, we give you thanks um, that you've called us to be the church. And God, you've given us all individual skills and abilities and talents and uh, different amounts of time and um, different things like that, God. But you've, all, you've called us all to be a part of your church. I love in Corinthians, we talk about some make up the hands and some make up the feet and um, different body parts are made up by different people. And, but it takes us all to be the body. And to have the impact that you desire us to have in this community. That you planned for us to have in this community. And so God, I just pray that you will place it upon our heart to be all into your church. To give it 100%. To believe in what you're doing. To take responsibility here. And to see this church make a powerful impact in Hapeville in East Point, in College Park, in this world. God, may the momentum that you began in us continue so that we're not dying or in denial, but that we're growing and reaching more people for the good of our community, for the glory of God.
It's in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen.